Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew 13. Vicki and I recorded it this morning as I was driving her to church, or to, not to church, to work. Good morning. Tim is actually driving me to church. I'm Vicki. Hello, everybody. And I'm going to read the gospel today. And it comes from Matthew 13. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then what do you want us to go? Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he, he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat among them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell you tell the reapers, collect the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will be it at so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. So that is our gospel lesson this morning. So uh, you had one job. That uh, is kind of the theme of the sermon. Another way you can look at it. I love these memes. Let me say that. If you were on Facebook this week, I had another one where they had to, uh, on the street, uh, paint the word school because you're entering a school area and they misspelled school. I think it was S-C-O-H-O-L, right? You had one job here. You had one job uh, as they're putting up this advertisement. They got it backwards. So 
but another way you could look at it is not just one job. Another way in which we'll talk about it during the sermon is just do your job, right? Don't worry about all these other things that are going on. Know what you're responsible for. Know what somebody else is responsible for and trust they're going to do it and let them trust you are going to do it. So we're going to continue on. Hey, good morning, Holy Trinity. It's Pastor Tim. I'm here in the sanctuary this morning. That means no whiteboard uh, for two reasons. One, I think this sermon doesn't uh, need uh, diagrams or that kind of stuff. And uh, if you noticed last week, I had a couple quotes that came up as I was speaking. So my video editing skills are improving. And if something comes up that I want you guys to see more than me just speak it, uh, we'll get an image that comes up on it too. So but it's great to be able to see the sanctuary. You can see the stained glass. You can see the altar. We have flowers on the altar this morning. Also, Leslie Carson on Tuesday when she and Scott came for the outdoor gathering brought those to put up front uh, during that time together. And she asked if maybe they could be brought in and put on the sanctuary. So here they are. Thank you, Leslie, for those. Uh, hopefully this gives you a bit more of a sense of normalcy as we remain in exile from our building and we continue to worship online during Zoom or whenever you might be watching this on uh, our YouTube channel or on Facebook. I want to start off with a story this morning. Um, trust is integral in relationships, relationships that are going to thrive. Uh, it can be personal relationships collegial relationships, right? Those in work, those within friends, but trust is essential that you understand how everyone's going to behave in this relationship and you respect those boundaries. Whenever uh, I've had to hire somebody new um, at church or even when I was teaching and an aide would come in or a parent, one of the things you need to have are clear expectations. This is what I'm asking you to do. This is what you can expect me to do. And hopefully everyone understands, is in agreement on those expectations. You trust each other to fulfill those expectations and everything goes well. One time at the last church I was at, we hired a new person for uh, faith formation to do fourth, fifth, and sixth grades. They met on Monday night and uh, while they met weekly, there were also some other larger events that would go on during the year also. And uh, during the first time of one of these larger events, me and this new person has sat down, sat down to talk about what they needed to do, how it was going to run, uh, what was the outcome that we were hoping to happen, and then she could redesign or design within those expectations of what we've done before in the past, also not being afraid to incorporate new ways of doing things. At least that's what I wanted to convey to her. Don't be afraid to uh, bring in new things. And so... Uh, the day of the event came and I said, hey, I'll help you set up for it. I'm already at church going to be working. So whenever you get there, I'll come on back and we, you just tell me how to get things set up. So I'm there. It's the day of the event. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and get started and try and help uh, and get things set up. And so I go and set up the way we had done things before the previous years, before this person was there. And she shows up. And she walks in and she's like, oh, you got started already. And I was like, yeah, I just wanted to help, you know, to put things out. She's like, oh, great. And I thought we could do it this way, right? All within her power, all within her right, all within what she was tasked to do. And I said, oh, okay, you want to do it differently. Um, 
Sure. Uh, you, I know I could sense my anxiety rise up a little bit. And so we go through and, right, she was the one in charge of it. Uh, I just needed the help. And so I go through and help her rearrange it. And later on, we were reevaluating or evaluating the event and how things went. And I'm so glad she said, um, when I walked in, I felt, uh, I know you're trying to be helpful but I didn't feel that you trusted me to do what you had asked me to do. If I'm honest with myself, I want to simply say, but I was just trying to help. You're right, I was just helping. But underneath the excuse of helping, it was a lack of trust that she would do it the way it, not just that it had been done, but the way that I was comfortable with and the way that I wanted it done even though it wasn't my job. This happens in many other uh, areas too. Uh, you know, if you're involved with someone, uh, here's a real quick example that happened with Vicki and I just a couple days ago. And uh, this one, um, Vicki is the one who, who did what uh, was not expected of her, let's put it that way. And uh, so we're getting dinner ready. Uh, I'm in charge of grilling the chicken and the fish. Uh, chicken takes longer. So I had that out on the grill. I got the fish out. It's defrosted. I have that on the counter. And then I go to do something else. And I come back and the fish has had salt and pepper put on it. And it's been seasoned, right? It is what I would have done. And by her doing it, what did that make me think? I wasn't going to do it right. This is how she wanted it done. Even though when we had said, who's going to get dinner, she'll do that, I'll do this, right? And I've done this so many times before to her also. This is just a real quick example. I'm not just trying to throw her under the bus, but it's one that uh, is easy to call to memory, right? But in that, I was hurt a little bit because I thought, wait, you trusted me to do this, and maybe it seems like you don't trust me in reality, to do it correctly, so you're going to do it for me. And so you can see how that lack of trust can break down relationships and cause harm. Uh, and I bring that up because the parable that we have today uh, follows one we had up from last week, right? Last week we talked about producers and consumers and how we are producers. This week follows it up and we get another parable, and this time it's called the parable of the weeds and the wheat. And this is how it goes, just in case, just a quick synopsis of it. Uh, the landowner plants out seeds of the wheat, right? Wheat is important. It's harvested. The grain uh, brought together to make bread, which is just such a staple of food throughout the centuries. And so it's a needed, necessary thing. You want it to thrive. Overnight, an evil one, someone comes in and sows weeds, and those weeds are going to disrupt the growing of the wheat. It's not going to let it grow as well as it should. So people come along and said, hey, you know what? Let us pull the weeds out. We can tell the difference. We know what needs to be done. And the landowner says, no, you're going to disrupt the wheat. You're going to uh, actually maybe make a bigger mess of things. Just let it go. I will take care of it later. We then get the explanation of the parable, right? And uh, as it turns out, there is a judgment coming, but who's the one in charge of the judgment? Who's the one who saves? It's God, not those who are the wheat. People have a hard time with that, don't they? 
Do you have a hard time with that? Sometimes I have a hard time with that because I don't want to trust God because I don't know if God's going to do the right thing. Because I see what's going on in the world and I think, we all have a list, right? Who are those people, individuals, groups, communities, countries that we think they just simply need to be ripped out because they have no value and we're the ones to make that judgment. This parable says no to that line of thinking. It is saying God is the one who judges. God is the one who saves. Our primary purpose is to serve. I said this last week. I've said it before. I like to boil down our theology sometimes into short phrases that are easy to remember. God saves. We serve. If you want one of those phrases right there. God saves. We serve. God's going to do the judging. In the end, weeds in the wheat, God, God's got it, right? That's what it says in the parable. God's going to appoint the ones to do it. God's angels. That's not us. Our job, if we go back to last week, we had that pyramid, right? The food pyramid. And we have the producer, or consumers at the top, the producers at the bottom. And where do you find humans? Humans are always at the very top of that food chain, food pyramid, being the consumers. Everything else is at our disposal. And yet Jesus comes and turns that around and Jesus is at the bottom of the pyramid and calls us to be at the bottom of the pyramid because that's where the producers are. And the producers support the rest of creation. That's our job, to produce. Our job is not to judge. We can't. We will get it wrong. There's other scripture that says, you're going to be surprised who's there in the end. That's not our job. God saves, we serve. There is a book that's out there. Well, it's been out there about almost 10 years now or so. And it's called Unchristian. What a new generation really thinks about Christianity and why does it matter. And I've talked about this before. Uh, but if we are called to be producers and not people who judge... If this is what a new generation really thinks about Christianity, what do you hope a new generation thinks about who we are? That they see us as producers of love, uh, forgiveness, empathy, compassion, generosity? Do they see us as producers or do they see us as judgmental? Right here we go into that table of contents. And here are number... Eight, the last one it mentions out of the, the six that are here, one, two, three, four, five, six that are here, six characteristics, the last one they talk about is judgmental. That Christians are thought to be judgmental, which is so ironic because that is what we are called not to be. And then we can go through some of these other ones too that I think play right into that judgmental. We're known to be hypocritical. We're known... It's all about getting saved, and we are anti-homosexual. When you become judgmental, when you want to point out the uh, uh, thorn in someone's eye, and you ignore the log in your own, we're known for that. And yet we're called not to do that. Right? So we are the biggest hypocrites in the world. And we're all going to be hypocrites, but can we own it and say, ooh, we've messed up, we're sorry, we're trying to get it right, as opposed to digging in our heels and saying we are right.
Again, this passage talks about getting saved. The irony is frequently when this passage is read, people think it's about you better get your ducks in a row because there's a judgment coming and you don't want to get burned. And so what you do now matters and you better be right now. And yet it's weeds or wheat that doesn't change. God's going to judge. God takes care of it. It's not even that we can't judge or save others. We can't even save ourselves. That is solely in the hands of God. We simply trust that who we are is wheat, we produce grain, and we feed the world. That's what we do. And yet we want to judge, and so we come off as hypocritical. And when we judge, and this is one of the big things, it's why we have been going through the reconciling in Christ process, is because Christianity is known to be anti-homosexual. I will judge this group of people. You are condemned. You are an abomination. You are, you are, you are, and it's all negative things that follow. That's not what we're called to do. That's just another form of judgment. And we are called not to judge. We are called to grow. We are called to produce. We will then be harvested. And we will then be used to serve and feed the world. This passage says so much about who we are. And yet we misinterpret this passage to mean about, you better get your ducks in a row because there's a judgment coming. We aren't the judges. You can't save. You can't even save yourself. A great story about Martin Luther after he had died, friends are going through his pockets and they come across of his body and they come across a note and it says, we all are beggars. This is truth. We all are beggars. We all are equal at the foot of the cross. We all are beggars at the foot of the cross. Our job is simply to trust that God's going to do what God's going to do. And because we trust that, we are able to live in freedom to love and serve. We don't need to worry about building ourselves up and impressing others or worrying about what others think or what are the clothes that we have. What is the house that we live in? What is the car that we drive? What is it that people's opinions think of us? And so I better make decisions that make them think better of me. Rather, God loves us. God saves us. We trust God saves us. And that's not what saves us. We're just trusting that God saves us. And now we live free, full, healthy, whole lives. We remember that we are wheat. We produce, and the things we produce are good for the world around us. That's what this whole passage is about. Reminding you of who you are, who your job is, what your job is, what your job is not. Your job is to understand you are loved, and so you get to go love. Your job is to trust that you are healed so you can go heal. May you love, may you heal. Each morning when you wake up, realize it's true for you and to live a life that helps people see it is true for them as well. Amen.